Thanks to this season's presenting sponsor, Driscoll's. Only the finest berries. Hello, young chefs, and welcome back to Mystery Recipe. I'm Molly Birnbaum, Editor-in-Chief of America's Tuskegee Kids. And I'm Mitzi, of admit, Molly's right-hand gal and very sad co-host on the show. Every week on Mystery Recipe, we'll be talking about the fun, fantastical, and fascinating sides of a different kitchen ingredient. Plus, at the end of the season, which is like very soon, we'll use all the ingredients to cook a mystery recipe together. In case you missed it, yesterday we released our mystery recipe reveal and shopping list episode. Yes, this shopping list will help your grown-ups have time to stock up on the ingredients you'll need to cook along with us in next week's grand finale cook-along. So if you heard that, you probably know what this season's recipe is. And if you haven't, you should go back and listen. Like, right now, actually. Here, you can pause the episode here, find out what our mystery recipe is, and then come on back. I'll give you a second to pause. Go ahead and pause it. Okay, so if you're still here, then you are prepared for the celebratory spoiler alert that is about to come, but I will keep vamping just a little bit longer for anyone frantically searching for the pause button, just in case, and... Hooray! Black bean burgers! It's day two of hamburger bun week, and we're going to ham it up in today's episode for you. First up, Susie is getting granular in Tricky Trivia. Then we have a special guest who is going to tell us some more about sandwiches in Ask a Grown-Up. And finally, Andrea is back with another learning lesson in how-to time. Plus, I fall apart at the seams while preparing for my best friend Susie's final episode next week. Oh? Oh. Let's cue the theme song and get to it! I bet it tastes good. Ooh. Wait, wait, please catch me. Mystery recipe. So, Mitzi, what's all this about being sad and falling apart at the seams? Oh, uh, well, it's the last week of season four, which means Susie's internship is coming to a close. That's right. She will be back, of course, next week to help us with the finale. Right, and she will, of course, be back many times after that to visit because we're best friends. But it's going to be so sad not having a reason to see her every day. I've gotten used to her being around all the time. I hear you, Mitzi. Thanks, Molly. Do you know what Susie's off to after her internship is over? I'm not sure, but you should ask her. Hello, best friend, and Molly! Susie, hello indeed. We were just talking about you. Oh, Good things only, I hope. Oh, good things indeed, best friend Susie. I was asking Molly if she knew what your plans were after your internship here is over. I didn't really know. Do you want to share your plans with us now, Susie? I would love to. After this ends, I'm going to go to school and study business. That means I'll learn all about how to keep a company running. I hope to one day start my own business and be a leader. I can't wait. But... The first step is going back to school and studying hard. Amazing. What kind of business do you want to start, Susie? Good question. I actually have no idea. I want to do something that helps people or makes people smile or both. 
But other than that, I don't know exactly what yet. Hmm. Is that so? Yep. Why do you say it like that, though, Mitzi? Uh, no reason, no reason. Uh, uh, will you excuse me for just a minute? Yes, but I do not consent to being glued to your hip again. So not what I had planned, Susie. That was like one time very recently. I'm just saying. Be right back. Hey, Susie, how about we move on to our next segment? Are you ready for this week's round of tricky trivia? Yes, Molly. I just want to take a second to appreciate this moment. It's my last tricky trivia with all of you listeners. I have to say, of all the time we've spent making this season of the show together, tricky trivia has been and still is my favorite. Mine too, Susie. You are very good at it, by the way. Why, thank you. It's because I study super duper hard. Okay, I think I'm ready, Molly. Let's do this. All right, true or false? The Hamburger Hall of Fame is located in Seymour, Wisconsin. So, is this true or false? Is there a Hamburger Hall of Fame in Seymour, Wisconsin? Hmm, a tricky one, Molly, but it's no match for my research. I know that the Hamburger Hall of Fame is located in the Seymour Community Museum. Amazing. I'm surprised you knew that one, Susie. Well, your second question is related. True or false, Susie, the Hamburger Hall of Fame is located in Seymour, Wisconsin, because that is the home of the first hamburger. So, Susie, is this true or false? Is Seymour, Wisconsin the home of the first hamburger? Ah, excellent question, Molly. This did come up in my research. I'm not going to be able to say true or false on this one, Molly. I will instead introduce a third option. Highly contested. Highly contested? What do you mean by that, Susie? The birthplace of the hamburger is highly contested, meaning there is a heated debate amongst a few key players who all lay claim to being the birthplace of the hamburger. In short, here are a lot of stories where the first hamburger was made. Charlie Nagreen of Seymour supposedly sold the first hamburger when he sold a meatball between two slices of bread at the Utagami County Fair in 1885. Louis Lassen of Lou's Lunch in New Haven, Connecticut, an establishment that is still open and serving customers to this day, might I add, also claims to have made the first burger. In 1900, a customer ordered a quick hot meal, and Louis was out of steaks. So he took ground beef trimmings, made a patty, and grilled it, putting it between two slices of toast. And don't get me started on Frank and Charles Menches, Oscar Weber Bilby, or Fletcher Davis. So, yeah, sorry, I'm kind of rambling, but it's hard to say where the first hamburger actually came from, which is why the answer is complicated. That's correct, and a better explanation than I could have given. I bet it would be fun to go visit the Hamburger Hall of Fame, though. Sounds like it would be. Okay, here is your final question. True or false, not only bread can be used for hamburger buns. People have begun making hamburger buns out of rice, lettuce, donuts, funnel cake, and even mac and cheese. What do you think, Susie? Have people made hamburger buns out of rice, lettuce, donuts, funnel cake, and even mac and cheese? Wow, what a question, Molly! 
I know not only bread can be used to make hamburger buns, but that is a long list of unexpected alternatives. Lettuce makes sense. People have had lettuce wraps to replace bread for a while now, but the rest of those options sound hard to believe. Donut burgers would be interesting, and mac and cheese would be a mess. I'm going to have to say false for this one, Molly. That's a great guess, Susie, but it's actually true. People have been getting more and more creative with alternative hamburger buns, making them out of rice, lettuce, donuts, funnel cake, and even mac and cheese. No way! I'm starting to think anything can be turned into a hamburger bun. Honestly. Talk me through mac and cheese, Molly. Wouldn't that just be a slimy mess? Well, one way to do it is to make a standard batch of mac and cheese and then chill it so the melted cheese re-solidifies and makes the mixture more solid. Then you can cut out a bun-sized piece, bread it with breading and eggs and flour, and then deep fry it. This makes a crunchy breaded exterior and a hot, melty, cheesy interior. That can be used as a bun. Holy calories, Molly! That sounds actually amazing! I'm going to have to give that one a try. Anyway, excellent job on Tricky Trivia today, Susie. And honestly, amazing work all season. It has been so great to see you use all your research, prior knowledge, and even sometimes your gut getting to the bottom of these very tricky questions. And I will miss not having to explain all the science to the listeners myself. It's so nice playing with someone who knows just as much, if not more, than I do. Aw, thank you, Molly. It has been super duper fun. And honestly, I learn something new every single time, even though I did do lots of research first. It just goes to show that you learn something new every day. Susie! Hey, Mitzi! Is that a whiteboard? Are you wearing a suit, Mitzi? Honestly, it looks great on you. Aw, thank you, Molly. I I try to reserve it for special occasions. We've never had a special enough occasion on the show before? Well, I don't want to say it like that, but anyways, I am dressed up because it's time for Spark Tank. Spark Tank? Yes. It is like Shark Tank, but less scary. Susie, you said you weren't exactly sure what type of business you wanted to start. And so, in an effort to cement my place in your life forever, I have a few ideas I'd like to pitch. Mitzi! You don't need to start a business with me in order to stay a part of my life. Yeah, okay, but it will be easier. So, want to hear what I've come up with? I mean, yes. I super duper do. Me too, Mitzi. But how about we do so after this quick word from our sponsors? That's perfect, actually, because my mouth is very dry. Do you have any water? I know I said this would be less scary than Shark Tank, but I'm still very nervous. We'll be right back. Grown-ups, these ads are for you. Hey, grown-ups. I want to tell you about our sponsor, the Kroger family of stores. If you're anything like me, it's easy to let grocery shopping fall to the bottom of your to-do list. Kroger's grocery delivery service has taken the stress out of the process. You don't even need to leave your house. Shop online and get fresh groceries delivered to your house in as little as an hour. Shopping couldn't be simpler. It's easy to find the items you buy often, or you can search for exactly what you're looking for. Then schedule a delivery time that works for you and get back to what matters most. Save time and order online with Kroger's Grocery Delivery. Learn more at Kroger.com. 
I want to tell you about our sponsor, Driscoll's. Driscoll's raspberries are a sweet and delicious snack straight out of the clamshell. My daughter Olive and I shared some. What does it taste like? Almost like the blackberries. A little sour. But is it also super sweet? Do you love them? Yeah. How much do you love them? 621. How does it make you feel to have berries for snacks? Like if you were on a rocket ship and you were flying to the moon, would that be how happy berries make you? Yes, that's how happy I am on a rocket ship to the moon. The sweetness isn't just inside these Driscoll's raspberries. It's also in the moments they help make. To discover where you can buy berries worth sharing, head to driscolls.com slash atkkids. That's driscolls.com slash atkkids. And we're back. Hello. Chad. Hi, friends. Yeah, Chad, what are you doing here? I work here. And it's time for Ask a Grown-Up. Of course. Sorry. Sorry. I didn't mean to sound upset. I'm just about to pitch my business proposals to Susie on Spark Tank, and I'm feeling really nervous. Uh, There's a lot at stake here. Sorry. What's at stake, Mitzi? Yeah, Mitzi, there shouldn't be anything at stake at all, actually. Uh, But our friendship depends on this pitch! Of course it doesn't! We're going to be friends no matter what, Mitzi! Whether we start a business together or not. Really? Really, really. The suit and whiteboard and everything are great. But if you are feeling stressed, then I say we stop right now. There's no need to be upset. Okay. Okay. The collar on this suit is really tight. Yeah, your whole face is turning pink. Chad, it's always that color. Oh, right. Well, Mitzi, how about we go for a walk and you can tell me about the ideas you came up with instead of having this whole stressful spark tank pitch. That sounds good, Susie. Uh, Can I bring the whiteboard? Is it on wheels? It is. Then I don't see why not. Okay, great. Awesome. Molly, Chad, we'll be back. Bye, friends. So, Chad, are you ready for Ask a Grown-Up? What are we going to talk about today? Well, Molly, today I wanted to try and get to the bottom of an age-old question, a deceptively simple one at that. I wanted to find out if a hamburger is a sandwich. Interesting. Right? Seems easy. But as you'll come to see, it is anything but. In order to get to the bottom of this, I wanted to reach out to someone who can really understand not just what it means to be a sandwich, but what it means to be. Someone who could help figure out this big and complicated question for us once and for all. So I reached out to a philosopher. I'm Dr. Devin Sanchez-Curry. I'm an assistant professor of philosophy at West Virginia University. I started by asking Dr. Sanchez-Curry exactly what philosophy is. In a nutshell, philosophy is basically just trying to think through questions you're really curious about even when you don't know exactly how to come up with an answer. So questions like, why is there something rather than nothing? Or why should you be nice to your mom? Or is a hamburger a sandwich? And so we still need philosophers around because there are still these questions that we don't yet know or maybe we can never know how to answer using science. 
I could tell Dr. Sanchez Curry was as excited as I was to crack this big hamburger sandwich open and take a look between these slices. So we cut right to it. I want to start by asking you a very simple question. Do you personally, Dr. Sanchez Curry, think that a hamburger is a sandwich? Uh, I think I don't think that a hamburger is a sandwich. I don't want to keep anything from you, dear listeners, and so I do have to say here that I, too, do not consider a hamburger to be a sandwich. But the dictionary does. The dictionary definition of a sandwich is two pieces of bread with something, such as meat, peanut butter, etc., between them. Would you then consider a hamburger to be a sandwich? Yeah, so if you go with that definition, then it seems pretty clear that a hamburger is a sandwich, right? But then the question that the philosopher would ask... That's him. He's the philosopher. ...is why it is that so many people resist thinking about hamburgers as sandwiches, given that that's the dictionary definition of a sandwich, right? And as philosophers, we don't want to just accept the dictionary definition. We want to think about whether it really fits our experience of the world. And there might be some reason why we don't usually think about hamburgers as sandwiches, even though they seem to pretty clearly fit the dictionary definition. For some reason, there are plenty of Americans, myself and Dr. Devin Sanchez-Curry included, who do not consider a hamburger to be a sandwich. And Devin dared to ask why. He also asked many other questions. I'm starting to get the impression here that philosophers ask a lot of questions. So another philosophical question to ask here is whether we should approach the question of whether a hamburger is a sandwich by starting out with a definition of a sandwich at all. So the philosopher Socrates famously would have said, we have to define sandwich and then see whether hamburgers fit the definition. But other philosophers think that that's kind of a fool's errand and we're never going to come up with a perfect definition. So instead, maybe the way we classify sandwiches is by starting out by thinking of sort of the ideal sandwich, thinking of the perfect sandwich that pops into your mind when you think about a sandwich, and then thinking about whether other things resemble that ideal sandwich enough to count as a sandwich too, right? And so I might think of a peanut butter and jelly sandwich as the ideal sandwich. And hamburgers are pretty different than peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. And so maybe that's a reason that I'm not comfortable calling a hamburger a sandwich, even though it seems to fit a definition. My ideal sandwich, in case anyone cares, would be a BLT on toasted white bread, which also does not share a lot of similarities to a hamburger. So in this case, if a hamburger is a sandwich, but lots of people do not consider it to be one, then is it really a sandwich? If a hamburger falls in the forest, does it make a sound? Yeah, it's a good question. So in general... The fact that nobody thinks something is true is a really bad reason for you to go along with the crowd and agree that it's not true, right? So in olden times, everybody knew about droplets of water and everybody knew about clouds, but nobody thought that clouds were made of droplets of water. P.S. Clouds are actually made of droplets of water in case you didn't know that. But a long time ago, people did not know that. So if you just went along with the crowd in that instance, you would come to a false belief and think that clouds are, you know, fluffy pedestals for angels rather than the drops of water that they actually are. 
And so in general, as philosophers, we should be wary of coming to believe something just because most people believe it. Solid advice about a lot of things, to be honest. With that said, you might think that there are differences between the hamburger case and the cloud case. So it doesn't seem like people who don't think a hamburger is a sandwich are missing any information about hamburgers, right? It's not like there's some feature of hamburgers that they don't know about that if they came to learn it, then they would change their mind. Whereas I can show you by flying you up into the air and sticking your hand in the cloud that it's made of droplets of water, right? So if that's the case, maybe the issue about hamburgers has more to do with language and how we choose to use the word sandwich then it has to do with a confusion about what the world's like. In which case, maybe it's okay to just go along with however most people use the word. So to me, this means that a hamburger is what you make it. It's okay if your hamburger is a sandwich because that's what the dictionary has declared. And it's also okay that my hamburger is not a sandwich because I just feel very strongly that it's not. One might say that philosophy is here for moments just like this one. Sometimes it's an important question, sometimes it's about hamburgers. But when there is a question we aren't sure how to even begin to answer, it's time to call up a philosopher. Yeah, that's right. There are just these weird things that crop up in life that cry out for an explanation, right? And philosophers are there to, to try to explain what, what may be unexplainable. I asked Dr. Sanchez Curry why kids should care about philosophy. I think... I often have a harder time explaining to adults why they should be interested in philosophy. So as I said, philosophy is just about sort of following your curiosity and asking questions and trying to think through stuff that you don't already know how to answer. And kids just do that really naturally, right? So kids just naturally continue to ask why, why, why when they're presented with explanations of how the world works. And philosophers are basically just grown-up kids who never stopped asking why. So uh, I think if you're curious about things and you're not finding an easy way to answer them, but you want to keep thinking about it, then you're already doing philosophy as a kid. And who knows? Maybe one of our listeners will grow up to be the next Socrates or figure out how to answer the hamburger sandwich scenario once and for all. But until then, we can all just agree to disagree on this one. Back to you, Molly. Thanks, Chad. And thanks again to Dr. Sanchez Curry. So it's an app. Right. That just tells you what streaming platform your favorite shows are on. But can't you just Google it? Yes, you could. But people love apps. That is true. Hey, you two. How'd the pitching go? Super duper great, Molly. Mitzi had like a hundred ideas that would make for awesome businesses. Ah. Uh, Thanks, Susie. I mean, not a hundred, just, just 14. Uh, 15 if you count podcasts on ice. I do count podcasts on ice because it's brilliant. All true crime's been missing is the triple axle. That is true. All right, I'm heading out. Susie, I will see you in next week's finale cook-along. Can't wait. Already studying my bean burger flipping technique. Oh, hey, Chad. See you later. Happy how-to time, Andrea. Andrea! Hey, everyone. 
Listeners, Andrea is a test cook here at America's Test Kitchen Kids. That means she works on developing recipes and experiments for our cookbooks and things like the Young Chef's Club boxes. You can find out more about all that fun stuff by going to atkkids.com. Andrea, what are we working on today? For Hamburger Bun Week, I'm going to teach you how to toast your buns. Ooh, I love a good toasty bun. Golden brown and delicious. Me too, Mitzi. I always toast my buns when I make burgers at home. I don't think I've ever toasted my buns before. Why do you like it so much? What? Ah, Susie, you are missing out. We need to get you a toasted bun right now so you can try it. I'll be right back. Mitzi, wait. And there she goes. I'm guessing we're going to toast some buns right now, right, Andrea? So I can just try those? You're always one step ahead of me. That is absolutely right. What's so special about toasted buns anyway? It just seems like extra work when you could just get to the delicious burger even quicker. That's a great question, Susie. There are a few reasons to toast your buns. It can give them a nice, toasty flavor. And also, when you toast your buns, they get a little dried out and crispy, which can help keep them from getting soggy if you add condiments to your burger like ketchup or mustard. Well, that all sounds pretty good. It is, but another great reason to toast your buns is that most burger buns have gotten just a little bit stale before you get a chance to eat them. Even if you just opened up the bag of brand new buns? Yep, think about it. Even a fresh bag of buns or bread was not usually just baked. So even the small amount of time those buns have spent being packaged and making their way to the store is enough time for them to get a little bit stale. The good news is that toasting buns allows the inside of the buns to get soft again, so they taste almost as good as they did when they were first baked. Wow, that sounds like toasty magic. More like toasty science. When you toast your buns, you're heating the bread up. Once the buns get warm enough, water trapped inside the bread's starch crystals is released, making the buns taste moist and fresh. That still sounds like magic to me. Can we try it? Of course. There are a few different ways to toast buns, like on the grates of a grill or under the broiler in the oven, but the safest way for young chefs like you and our listeners at home is to toast them in a skillet on the stove. Amazing! Do we have to put anything in the pan first? Nope, we're just going to put these buns into a cold pan and then toast them on the stovetop over medium heat. I have a 12-inch nonstick skillet here and some hamburger buns. Why don't you split the buns open and put them cut side down in the pan? It's important to start with a cold pan here. That way there's no danger of burning your fingers while you're arranging the buns in the pan. Good thinking, Andrea. Okay, I've got two buns in here. I can maybe fit one more if I squish them, though. No need to do that, Susie. You want to have enough room in the pan to be able to flip the buns and peek to see when they're nice and toasty. And that might be difficult if there are too many in there. It should only take about three minutes to get the buns a nice golden brown, so it's okay if you need to toast your buns in two batches. That's so fast! Okay, I'm ready to get toasty. I'll turn the stove to medium heat and we can get started. How will we know when they're done? They're facing down. I have a spatula here that you can use to flip the buns to see if they're browning yet. We're looking for them to turn golden brown at the edges. You should also be able to smell them as they start to toast. Okay, that sounds good. Oh, Andrea, I can smell them. Awesome. Use the spatula to carefully flip them to see if they're toasted yet. Remember, the pan is hot. They look toasty brown just at the edges. I think they're done. 
Okay, great. Then let's turn the stove off and slide the pan to a cool burner. Use the spatula to carefully remove the buns from the pan and transfer them to a plate. If we had burgers to build, we would do that now. But since we don't, you can just taste these right away. Mm, mm, mm. Andrea, this is great. It's warm and crisp and... Susie, I have a toasted bun for you, finally. I ran to the supermarket and I got some buns and then I found a toaster and I tried to jam them in there, but then that didn't work, so I had to get the grill. Wait, where did you get that? You already have one. Yeah, toasting buns was the technique this week, Mitzi. I tried to stop you before you left, but you didn't hear me. Oh, waffles. Well, that's okay. I guess I'll just eat this one. Great idea, Mitzi. Toasty buns for everyone. I'm glad you like them so much. Well, that's all for this week. See you next week at the finale. So, Susie, we're just about out of time with today's episode. And I just have to say thank you for such an amazing season on the show. It has been such a pleasure learning all about leadership and physics and food science with you. But most importantly, I've learned so much about friendship from you. Things that will last me a lifetime. And so I just wanted to say thanks. I know things are going to be a little different, but I also trust that we're going to stay friends after all this. And and that means the world to me. Aw, Mitzi. I feel exactly the same way. You and Molly have taught me so much, and I am just so grateful to be part of the America's Test Kitchen family. Well, we are lucky to have you in that family, Susie. Super duper lucky. And now I'm crying. But you don't need to be too sad yet, Susie. We may have arrived at the end of today's episode, but we'll need lots of your help next week for our grand finale cook-along. Yes! I'm so excited! Listeners, we'll be back soon with another toasted episode. We've got a squishy challenge in our pressing questions segment, followed by something super in our wild card. And remember, at the end of the season, we'll be using all of our ingredients and a very special mystery recipe to cook together. And it's happening next week! If you love mystery recipe, be sure to subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. That way, you won't miss an episode. And if you liked this episode, share it with a friend. Or feel free to leave us a review. We love reading them. Until then, keep, keep on, on cooking. cooking. Mystery Recipe is hosted by me, Molly Birnbaum, and I am a Sour Patch Kid. Chad Chennai is our writer and producer. He's a peanut butter cup. Our executive producer is Caitlin Kelleher. She's a lemon meringue pie. Andrea Vavjin is a Biscoff cookie, and Katie O'Hara is a chocolate brownie cookie, and they are both contributing writers on our show. Scoring, sound design, and mixing by Anya Jeshik, strawberry shortcake, and Matt Boynton, an orange creamsicle, of ultraviolet audio. Jonathan Roberts composed our theme music and is a key lime pie. Our director of post-production is Jen Margolis. She's a cannoli. Our line producer is Diane Knox, who is a chocolate lava cake. Jack Bishop is the chief creative officer of America's Test Kitchen. He's a lattice-top peach pie. David Nussbaum is our CEO, and he's chocolate avocado pudding. Special thanks to our senior science editor, Paul Adams, executive editor, Kristen Sargianis, executive food editor, Susanna McFerrin, 
Associate Art Director Gabby Hamanoff, Senior Editor Afton Cyrus, Associate Editors Katie O'Hara and Tess Berger, Tess Cooks Andrea Vavjan and Cassandra Laughlin, and Assistant Tess Cook Kristen Bango. Johanna Lapiad was a contributing writer on this episode. This episode featured the voices of Kira O'Sullivan and Brianna Maya. Thanks again to our sponsors, Kroger and Driscoll's. Mystery Recipe is a production of America's Test Kitchen Kids. I'm telling you, just imagine it. I'm Phoebe Judge, and this is Criminal. On ice and then backflip. It's like, how has no one tried this yet? My favorite tow loop? Let's save America. The Ted Carry Lift Hour. Wait, wait, please catch me. Cereal? That's it? Yeah, I mean, she's already given so much to the art form. That is true. Hi, grown-ups. I wanted to tell you a little bit about our newsletter. If you love the fun food content we share on Mystery Recipe, then sign up today for our ATK Kids newsletter to receive even more recipes, activities, and stories from me straight to your inbox. As a mom of two, I always try to include things that are important to my family, and it's a great way to hear about all the new things we are cooking up at ATK. Plus, every new email added will be entered for a chance to win three free ATK Kids books for toddlers through teens. We'll draw 10 winners every month while the promotion lasts. And we have some great books available all the time. Head to atkkids.com newsletter to sign up today for your chance to win.